kingdom for your life? Do you think that you could be more set free? Amen. Um, you know, the, the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or there is freedom. And so wherever Jesus is with His presence, in that place you're going to have freedom. And then Scripture also declares that truth sets you free. And so as, as the Spirit of God comes upon you, as truth moves into your life, there's going to be greater and greater levels of freedom that you're going to enjoy. And, um, you know, man-made religion, legalism, <clears throat> is really, the mark of it is bondage. And the mark of true Christianity, the mark of, of really the presence of Jesus is freedom. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he, he, he walked in such a level of freedom that um, children were attracted to him. How I many you know kids aren't going where, the, where there's no freedom? You know, and um, when Jesus walked the earth, I mean, they, his disciples tried to keep the children away from him, but they were attracted to him. You know, I think that you can, you can learn a lot by who a child accepts, by who a child draws near to. And there was something about Jesus that, that children were attracted to him. And at the same time, Jesus' freedom challenged uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, like they would, and, and not only did he operate in that freedom, but how many of his disciples did too? So much so that, you know, they ate on the Sabbath, they healed on the Sabbath. Um, there were times when they actually didn't wash their hands and do all the ritual washings. And so the freedom that Jesus operated in, it challenged. Uh, the religious people of the day, but what God has for you is freedom. Um, it's not additional bondage. Um, it's not additional rules. It's not additional regulations. It's actually freedom. And there, there's no freedom like being able to live out of your heart. You're called to live out of your heart. You know, we're the, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. And, and there's this place of freedom that God has for us, and it involves living out of your heart and allowing the Spirit of God to lead you. How many know freedom feels good? It really does. Freedom feels good. And so that's what God has for your life. And so the question I kind of posed to you in the beginning is, do you think that God has greater levels of freedom for you? You know, never, never think that you've arrived um, in your Christianity. Never think that you've arrived in your relationship with God you know, how many of us we're all here today? How many of we are all, we're all still students, amen? You never want to stop being a student, and that goes for everybody. You know, I, I hate it when leaders think they've got God completely figured out because, you know, no one's an expert on God, and no one ever will be an expert on God. Uh, God is, um, you know, we, we're always learning, and so we always want to carry this, this attitude of meekness. We want to carry this attitude of humility, we want to be just ready to learn and ready to be taught because the moment that we think we've arrived, honestly, that's when we, we, we stop growing. And one of the things that, that, that I'm thankful for now in my life is I, can, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all, uh, you know, used to be, you could, in my younger days when I was in legalism, you could ask me a question about God and I could tell you anything. And but what, that, what, I, what, it, what, what it's shown really is that I didn't, I, I thought I knew everything there was to know about God. You know, if you didn't receive your healing, I knew why. 
you know, if you, if you, you know, if this happened in your family, I knew why. You know, I knew all of these things, but the more I've, I've learned and the more I've walked with the Lord, I realize that it's okay to say, I don't know. And, and in fact, I think it's healthy to say, I don't know, because none of us, none of us are experts and, and we're all still learning. And it, it's good to have that, that, that just that transparency and that vulnerability and the ability to say that, you know, that I'm still learning. And I think that not only are we going to learn in this life, but we're also going to learn in the life to come. But I think that everybody present here and everybody watching online, I think that God has greater levels of freedom for your life than what you're currently enjoying. Now, I just want to ask you a couple questions. What would be some things that would hamper your freedom? Anybody got something? Responsibilities? Family? Okay. All right. But I mean, those are good things, though, at the same time, you know. Um, I mean, like something negative that would impact your freedom. Health. Yeah, that's a great example right there. When, when, when you are not feeling well and when, when you're in pain or you're going through something, that's definitely going to impact your freedom. How many know that God is a healer and God's will towards our life is health? Now, that doesn't mean that we don't go through challenges. It doesn't mean we have ups and downs. But at the end of the day, God wants to bring healing into our lives. So that's a good one. Anybody else got something? Self-confidence is going to bring freedom. And when you say self-confidence, you mean God-confidence. Confidence in who you are in Christ. But when you're insecure, how I many you know that impacts your freedom? You know, when you're self-conscious, that's, that's going to impact your freedom. In fact, one of the marks of someone who's really actually confident uh, is they're going to have a level of freedom wherever they're at. How I many you know you should be able to be confident no matter what group of people you're around? Can I get an amen? How I many you know God wants that for you? God doesn't want you feeling insecure around a certain group of people or or, or God wants you to be able to be yourself wherever you're at. And whether that's in your home or on your job or in ministry. So that's a good. Anybody else have something that would hamper freedom? Finances. That's a great example too. I know that, you know, Stacy and I, we've had times in our life when our entire, all we had to buy groceries was like $10. And, and so, man, we did, you know, we just went to the dollar store and, and, or, you know, Dollar General or whatever, and just did the best that we could. And, you know, only kind of meat, the only kind of meat we really had was hot dogs. And the only reason we had hot dogs is because we used those hot dogs for the outreaches that we did. And so, with the church. And so, any leftover hot dogs we got, and uh, man, we ate hot dogs every way you could possibly imagine <laughs> eating hot dogs, you know. We had hot dogs, and then we would also have like uh, egg salad, you know, because we had those eggs. And, uh, and tuna. It's nothing wrong with any of these things, you know. But there was a time in our life when, when the financial end of things just totally squeezed all of our freedom. And we couldn't give, you know, the way that we wanted to give. And, you know, everything, money had jurisdiction over every single aspect of our lives. And how many know God wants to set people free financially? Not only for you, but how many know for those around you? You have to understand that whatever God is putting into your life, He, he wants to get it to you because He loves you, but He wants to get it through you. I mean, he wants to get finances through you. Come on, guys, give me an amen. God wants you to give. He wants you to help. He wants you to be a blessing. Amen. How many know God doesn't want to just get health to you? He wants to get health through you. Okay, get an amen. God just doesn't want to get confidence to you. How many know God wants you to be the type of person that you lift the confidence of every single person that you're around? Okay, get an amen. Godly confidence will raise the confidence of other people. Worldly confidence will push other people down. Worldly confidence is pride. And so anything else that would hamper freedom? 
Condemnation. That's a, that's a great example of it. You know, when you think that God is against you and you think that God is mad at you, you're going to live your days with zero confidence and you're going you're gonna to live your days without faith towards God. And so condemnation is definitely going to hamper your freedom big time. How I many know we found out that condemnation was a lie? That the cross was a success. Can I get an amen? How many know that if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are forgiven? Past, present, and future sin, you are living in an eternal state of forgiveness. It does not get removed from you. If you're watching this and you haven't received Jesus, uh, his outstretched hand of salvation is towards you. All your sins have been paid for. All you got to do is receive Jesus. Amen? That's what happened to me when I was 19 years old, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, lunatic. My sin had been paid for 2,000 years ago, but I wasn't enjoying that forgiveness because I hadn't received the Son of God. And so, but condemnation is actually a lie. It's, it's, it's an untruth for the believer. So that's good. I'll say, I'll say this one because I think this one of the primary ones is fear. Yeah. I think fear is one of the things that robs people more of, of, of freedom than almost anything else. Um, fear can be a sense of terror. Um, it can be a sense of anxiety or worry. Um, fear can, can demonstrate itself in a million different ways. But how many, when you're afraid, you're not really flowing in freedom? And um, this world, you know, there are places in Scripture taught the spirit of this world. It, man, it, it's a spirit of fear, man. And and this world's constantly trying to be, to make, trying to make you afraid. But I'm here to tell you, your kingdom, the kingdom you're part of, is not a kingdom that's built on fear. It's a kingdom that's built on love. Can you get an amen? How many know that love drives out fear, just like light drives out darkness? Amen. You know, when we turned the lights on this morning in this church, there wasn't a struggle between light and darkness. How I many old know, darkness fled because light came on? It's the same for love. You know, I encourage you, don't live in fear. You're not called to live in fear. You're not called to be afraid. Put your shoulders back. Walk forward. You're part of a kingdom that's greater than all the governments in this world. Can I get an amen? You're part of a kingdom that's eternal. Everything down here is temporary. You're part of something that's eternal. And so don't, you know, I just encourage you, don't give place to fear. Uh, I mean, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't allow a poisonous snake to run around in your house, right? I mean, you were, we're going to take care of that, right, if we've got a poisonous snake running around our house. But how I many you know there are people that have fear running around in their minds and they're not taking care of it? And, and, and you don't overcome it with your strength. You don't overcome it with your willpower, but you do overcome it with the love of God. How's that fear going to be driven out of your mind? You're going to have to you, afresh and anew realize how much God loves you and how much he's for you. And how much, uh, how he has created a future for you and a hope for you, and he's got good plans for you. Can I get an amen? I don't care what the news says. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what anybody says. Our God has great plans for His people in the earth, and 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 our time of flourishing as the people of God are always during times of tribulation and famine. If you look in in Scripture, anytime all hell was breaking loose in the earth, there was always light in Goshen. It's your time to shine. Gross darkness has covered the earth, but the light has risen upon you. These are the greatest days of your life. Amen? Greatest days in the kingdom. Amen? So, so we, we definitely, we don't, want to give place to, we don't want to give place to fear. We don't want to give place to these things. And I want to be talking about how God's bringing this freedom into our lives, but I just want to cover some bases. How many of you know that sin, that sin dominating somebody's life is something that, that robs somebody of freedom? You know, um, I used to be a drug addict. And, um, you know, and so it, it robbed me of freedom. Like, my life was spent bowing down to that addiction. You know, what an addiction, what sin does is it, it you know, it makes you serve it. It makes you, um, it makes you, you become subservient to it. You know, every day in my life was, 
was build around getting high. You know, that, that, that's what I did. That was, that was what consumed me. How many of you know that's not freedom? Now, when I first started, you know, the Bible says sin's pleasurable for a season. But, you know, when I first started partying, and as my innocence was being destroyed, there was an element of enjoyment to it. But fast forward to where I'm 19 years old, and I'm a full-blown drug addict. Uh, it's not fun anymore. And so that's an example uh, where sin can come in and rob somebody um, of freedom. You know, I used to be addicted to pornography. And uh, pornography will rob you of freedom. It will, it will, it will destroy your life because it warps the way you see uh, the opposite sex. It warps the way you see yourself. And um, it, it just messes people up, you know. And I thank God that by the grace of God, I, I'm set free from that. Like, I don't have to deal with that any longer. That's no longer something that, that, that consumes my life. But there was a time in my life when I, I, was, I was viewing pornography all the time. And, uh, and it, was, it, it, was, it was hurting me. It was destroying me. It was, it was messing with my freedom. Now that thing, it, it don't own me no more. Can I get an amen? That's why I can sit up here and talk about it, because I'm free from it, you know? And I'm so grateful for that, you know? Uh, and then there's a time in my life where, where you, know, the, you know, the primary way I live was lying. Always lying. Always, you know, trying to make it sound like it was better than what it really was. And lying about this and lying about that and lying about that. I thought the lie would serve me because it would, it would try to give me something that I couldn't get on my own. But how many of you know, as you lie and lie and lie and lie and lie, it turns into bondage, man. And next thing you know, you're, you're, you're having to, you're living, you know, a double, triple, quadruple life. How many of you know that's not freedom? Can I get an amen? That's not freedom. And so uh, some other areas of uh, bondage, you know, people, you know, anorexia and bulimia and, you know, and people, you know, just constantly feeling like they don't measure up and constantly don't feel like they're good enough. How I many you know that those things are debilitating? Those things are not freedom. Amen. And so we could go on and on and on and on talking about different t anger. How I many you know anger is a bondage? How I many you know anger will rob you of freedom? If, how I many you know anger will keep you from being spirit led? Because you're not caught, you're not, you're not, it's okay. There's a place for a righteous indignation. There's a place for anger. But living in a state of anger is, is going to rob you of peace and you're not going to enjoy your life. And, uh, you know, we, we had a season where there was a real temptation for believers to live in a state of anger and to stay angry and to stay mad and to stay offended. And how many of you know anger is not the type of thing you can compartmentalize? Like, you might be angry at AT&T. How I many of y'all used to talk a lot about being angry at AT&T and angry at my dog, but I can't compartmentalize those things. How I many of you know that's going to bleed over into how I treat my wife, how I treat my children, how I treat you, how I treat those around me, how I treat people in traffic? Amen. And so anger can be a bondage as well. How I many of you know you're not called to live mad? Can I get an amen? You're just not. It's not good for you. How I many of you know angry people aren't happy? No, they're not. And you know what? You, you can pick and choose what you want to be offended about right now. There's plenty of options. But living in a state of anger, in a state of rage, it's not good for you. It's not good for those around you. And it's contrary to the kingdom. And so there's all different forms of bondage, but God wants to set you free from all of them. And how many know as a Christian, you can be in bondage? Oh, I need an Amen. Because, because, because what happens a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll share our testimony and be like, you know, I was in all this stuff, but, you know, now I'm perfect, you know. But that's not true. That's not true. I still struggled. I still struggled with pornography as a Christian. I did. 
And, and the grace of God set me free from those things. And we don't like to talk about stuff like that, but we have to if we're going to be honest with each other. And, you know, and, and, you know, and, and then and how many other people that, that struggle with fear? So you could talk about pornography and we're like, it's okay, but we'll fear. We, we don't, you know, we're not going to talk. How many of you fear is a bondage? Yeah. It will kill. It will rob you of life. You won't be able to live. You constantly be second guessing yourself, constantly doubting yourself, constantly just living in fear. That's not living. Y'all tracking me here? Fear can be just as big a bondage as pornography and sexual addiction or drug addiction or anger or depression or any of these things. But the bottom line is God loves his kids and he wants you free. And so whatever's hampering your freedom, you're not alone. God is with you and for you. And there are other people probably struggling with the same things that you struggle with. And it doesn't mean that you're less of a child of God. It doesn't mean that you're less of a Christian. It doesn't mean that you're less of a leader. It just means that you're in a human body and, 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 and you, you deal with things just like other people deal with things. But you know, if my kids came in here and you know, let's say Ethan walks in the door and his hands are bound with duct tape and his feet are bound with duct tape and he's trying to move around. How I many you know as a loving father, I'm not going to leave him like that. I'm going to set him free. I'm going to bring freedom into his life. Why? Because I love him. I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at the duct tape and be like, what's wrong with you? Why you got that duct tape on? You know, golly, you always wearing that duct tape. What blah 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 blah. I'm going to, I'm not going to ask questions. I'm going to rescue him. Now I may ask questions later. And to keep it from happening again. But the bottom line is, God doesn't care how you got where you're at. He just wants to rescue you out of it. Do you understand that? He's going to dive into your situation and cut the duct tape off and say, I got freedom for you. You're better than this. Rise up. Can I get an amen? And on this, this analogy has been overused, but the reason it's used so much because it's so good. How I many you know just because a butterfly lands on garbage doesn't mean it turns into garbage? And as a believer, you might step in some garbage, but you don't change into garbage. You're still a child of God. Can I get an amen? I mean, you know, the prodigal son was in the pig pen, but he didn't turn into a pig. He was still a child of God. As a believer, your identity cannot be touched by the ways of this world. You are safe in God. Can I get an amen? You're safe. You're in the family. You're not going to be kicked out. Now, you don't always feel like that. Sometimes you feel like God's mad at you, and sometimes you feel like you're not forgiven, and you, you feel and you feel and you feel and you feel. Your feelings don't determine what reality is. Can I get an amen? You're feeling, how I many you know the cross was greater than all of our failures? Jesus did a good job. Amen? So you're in the family, right? But like the level of freedom that you're enjoying, God wants to increase that level of freedom. He wants, he wants you to be freer than what you are. Why? Because He loves you. He, just because He loves you. And, and, so, and so the avenue that freedom comes is truth. Truth comes. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> if you're identifying with your sin or your failure, you're not coming out. How many know when the prodigal son came home to speak with the father, he tried to identify as a servant? What did the father do? He didn't listen to his speech. He said, bring the articles of clothing that are going to remind him of who he is. 
because he spent so much time in the pig pen, he forgot who he was. He doesn't think he's a son any longer. So bring the best robe, bring the ring, bring the shoes, throw the party. He has amnesia. He's forgotten who he is. Because if you're identifying with being an angry person, if you're identifying with being a lustful person, if you're identifying with being a drug addict, if you're identifying with your failures, you're not coming out. Because you're lying against the truth. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many of all the son could sit there and say, well, I'm not a son, and I'm not worthy, and I'm not, and I'm not. As he's saying all these things, I mean, he's lying against the truth. He's still a son. He may not feel like a son. He may not feel worthy to be a son, but he's a son no matter how he feels. Are y'all tracking me here? And, and so if you, if you want to experience freedom, you can't identify with the old stuff. You have to make a decision to identify with Christ. Can you get an amen? Identify with Jesus. Identify with who you are in God. How I many know Jesus ain't scared? <laughs> Y'all tracking me here? How I many know Jesus is not afraid? How I many know you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind? Can you get an amen? And, and what you also can't do is you can't look at your family lineage to determine the trajectory of your life. I, I come from alcoholics and drug addicts and womanizers on both sides of my family. It's thick. Like, we, we are heathens on, on, on both sides. But how I many know that's not, that's not the heritage of my children? Why? Because I broke out of that by the grace of God, not because I climbed out, but because Jesus reached his hand in and pulled me out. And so now I, I'm a part of a new family, and I have a new identity, and I don't look to those that were before me to determine where I'm going. Can I get an amen? And I don't do it in terms of, of, of even just behaviors, also the health of my body. Can I get an amen? I don't have to identify with diabetes or cancer or heart disease or any of those things. I'm in a new family. But if I exalt where I came from beyond where I'm, where I'm going and who I am in God, I'll embrace a lying identity and I'll stay right there in Lodabar. I'll stay right there in the place that my ancestors lived in and not rise up. Look, you've been chosen, okay, by God to represent Him in the earth. Amen? And so, so you've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the best thing that, that you can do for your family is be who you are in Christ. Amen. Amen. Don't, 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 don't fall prey to that. You'll be, well, you know, your, your daddy was, was, was an alcoholic. Your granddaddy was an alcoholic. This, you know, the, he was a drug addict. That's what you're going to be. No, no, I, 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 I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Can you get an amen? I'm a new man. I'm not defined by that stuff. And, and so I just encourage you to embrace who you are in Christ and let go of the past. And not only in terms of your family, but I'm talking about like last week. See, how many know, behold, all things are new? How many know that goes for right now? In this moment, don't let the enemy take a pen and stick it in a, in a cycle of failure that you went through. 
Maybe you had a bad day. Maybe you was mad at everybody all day and cussed everybody out. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe, maybe you had one of those days and you were just a jerk all day long. The enemy wants to take a pen and stick it in that moment and say, this is who you are. How I many you know just because you had a bad day or a bad week or a bad month or a bad year is not greater than what God has brought you out of into eternity? Don't identify with your failures. 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 Your failure is not greater than the cross. The cross is greater than your failure. And I'm here to tell you right now, while you're on earth, you're probably going to fall every once in a while. But a righteous man gets back up. And the primary way you get back up is you put your eyes on who you are in Christ. As he is, so am I in this world. As he is, so am I. I'm not defined by the bad day I had last week. Can I get an amen? Don't that, and see, that's the obedience of faith. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's what you're called to in the New Testament. The New Testament says you can't identify with who you used to be. You can't even identify with your flesh. Amen. How many of your identity's got to be in God? How many of you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? I don't care what kind of day you had. I don't care what kind of week you had. Did Jesus do a good job on the cross? Then what he did is greater than your failure. You know what's the difference between Judas and Peter? How many of both of them betrayed the Lord? One chose to pay for his own sin. One let Jesus pay for his. And so in your moments of failure, you're going to have a choice to make. Are you going to punish yourself and ground yourself and condemn yourself from the presence of God? Or... Are you going to lift up your eyes and, and recognize that what Jesus did was a success and the cross is a success and your sin's been paid for and you are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus even after your failure? That's the fight of faith. That's where the rubber meets the road. Can I get an amen? And so, you know, and I'm not mad at anybody, okay? I'm just being passionate because I am mad at what is trying to hurt you and harm you and rob you of freedom. Because the enemy is always, always trying to wrap himself around you to get you to identify with your failure. And the devil is a liar, okay? Your identity has not changed. The way God feels about you has not changed. You have to understand, God loves you just as much on your bad days as he does your good days. His love towards you doesn't change. He's not a finite being that's living in the moment. He sees your life as a beautiful canvas from start to finish, and he called you and approved you. He knew every mistake you were going to make, and he already paid for it. Are y'all tracking me here? Like, he's so much bigger than our failure. And so, but where the rubber meets the road is, are we going to identify with the old self or even our mistakes are we going to make a decision to embrace Jesus? Now, I say this all the time, but I just always want to remind you of this. Is there anything bad in Jesus? Is there anything wicked in Jesus? Is there anything twisted in Jesus? Is there anything dirty in Jesus? Where are you? 
in Jesus. And so that means that you're, that you're amazing and you're awesome and you're spotless and blemishless in Christ, in your spirit. Now, your head can make mistakes, your soul. Your, your, your hands can make mistakes, right? But your spirit has been sealed by the Holy Spirit and you're the righteousness of God and you're seated in the heavenly places in Christ and, it's not, and that's not going to be taken away from you. It's a done deal. It's sealed. It's completed. Just as sure as my son Ethan cannot change his DNA to another DNA, how many know he's my child? No matter what. Like we can, we can, we can shave his head, we can roll him in mud, we can, we can, we can, whatever we do, he will always be a Johnson in his DNA. If my physical seed is strong enough to secure that identity, how much more the incorruptible seed of the Word of God is able to maintain your identity in Christ? Y'all tracking me here? This is where God wins and the devil lost. Like, in your, over your life, there's a game over you won. You follow me? Like, that's not going to be taken away from you. How, so you have an ultimate victory. But how many know that, that the enemy, if he can get us to believe a lie and embrace a lie, it can rob us of freedom? Because, see, there, you know, I got set free from the, the drug addiction, and that took time. But I got set free from it. But the pornography, I had a harder time with it. I mean, I did. I mean, you know, I was, I was uh, sexually abused as a child, and I had um, my, just the doorway of my sexuality was open from the time that I was like a toddler. And, you know, but there was a, you know, in the home that I was raised in, there was just, there was pornography that was everywhere, uh, you know, magazines on the floor and all that type of stuff. And so, like, I saw it all the time. And then I had a babysitter uh, who molested me when I was a child. And then I had, you know, just bad experience after bad experience after bad experience. And then as I got older, you know, I didn't have a, you know, a father figure. And I didn't have anybody to really look up to. And so the only thing I had to look up to really was Hollywood. You know, and Hollywood said in order to be a man, you were a womanizer. You know, the more women you could sleep with, the more masculine you are. And so that was force-fed down my throat. And so what happened was this horrible addiction uh, came into my life and put me in bondage, and it also became uh, my identity as well. And so I got set free from the drug addiction and the alcoholism and all those things, but I stayed in bondage to pornography for years after I was saved. But, and so what the enemy would want to tell me and convince me is, you, you've been in bondage to this, you will always be in bondage to this. Now, here's the thing. How many know Jesus isn't in bondage to pornography? How many know that's an absurd concept? How many know that I'm in Christ? How many know as He is, so am I in this world? And so, there is a freedom that I wasn't accessing yet. But how many know I was invited into it? But as long as I was going to embrace that sin as an idol... And say, I'm always going to struggle with this. And for, you know, it might not be pornography. It could be fear for you. It could be worry. It could be uh, depression or anxiety. It could be self-hatred. It could be, you know, it could be anger. You know, there's all different types of, types of bondage. But there has to come this point where you look up over the fence and God's saying, I got freedom for you. You don't have to live your life like that. Now, how many know I could have lived my life like that 
And how many know God would have still loved me the whole time and been my father the whole time and forgave me the whole time? Can I get an amen? But he had something better. He had something better for me than that, right? And, and, and I think it's important that we can't get to this place to where we think, well, I'm just too old to change or I'm just set in my ways and this is just who I am. And how many know we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory to glory? And if we'll allow, there are some chains that God wants to pop off of your life. Everybody here, people that are watching. Because you're that kid who got duct tape around his arms and legs and you're struggling in this area and you're limping and God's like, I want to bring freedom to you. I want to set you free. Amen? But the beginning of that freedom is recognizing is that sin or that failure does not define you. It's not your identity. Romans chapter 6 and verse 14 is such a powerful statement. It says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And so I spent many years in legalism and still remained in bondage in my life to, to areas of sin. But what I, what I found out was, according to Scripture, grace is what actually sets you free from the dominion of sin. Now, sin's never going to stop knocking, okay? Fear's never going to stop knocking. Condemnation's never going to stop knocking. It knocks. And, you know, I always, always think of the adage, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair, Right? So while you're on this planet, there's going to be temptation. There's going to be opportunities to get mad. Opportunities to get mad in traffic. Praise God. <laughs> there's going to be opportunity, man. It, it, but, but how many of y'all, there's a difference between something pecking on my door and something putting me in a headlock and controlling my life. And that's the difference here in terms of the dominion of sin. Sin has no right to dominate. Now, when I'm talking about sin, I'm not just talking about moral sin. How I many know fear is sin? Can we be honest for a minute? It's sin, man. Worry is sin. Giving place to condemnation is sin. Now, please understand, if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Your identity is not going to change, change, but let's get the duct tape off of our heads and our hands in our life. Can you get an amen? And, and, and what that does is it it's grace doing its work on the inside of you. So turn, turn to Titus, please, chapter 2. And the grace of God will set you free from the dominion of sin. I, I am standing before you right now. I am enjoying a greater freedom from the dominion of sin than I've ever known in my entire life. And it's all because of the grace of God. Now, and, you know, one of the ways that, that, that grace sets us free is it, it lets you know that, that, that His love towards you is constant, His forgiveness towards you is constant, and it's unchanging, and it's never going to leave, and it's never going to relent. You know, as long as you're living in a state of fear over, you know, rejection or hellfire and brimstone, and, you know, you're constantly just worried about falling, how I many you know you're gonna, your performance is actually going to be worse? Wait till I'm out, Jeremiah. Let me lay it out to you like this, and I give this example all the time. Let's say I have a board right here, right? Say the board is, uh, let's say it's five inches across, and I'm going to balance myself on this board, and I'm going to walk across. I should be able to do that pretty easily. shouldn't be that hard, right? Let's say I take that same board and lift it 200 feet in the air. 
I mean, now all of a sudden, it's going to be harder for me to walk. Why? Because I'm afraid of the consequences of failing. Under legalism, legalism will tell you, man, you know, you make a mistake, God's not going to bless you, you're going to be cursed. You make a mistake, you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell. You make a mistake, God's going to cast you out. God doesn't love you. How I many you know when people live like that, their walk is wonky? Because they're living in a state of fear. But what God has done with His grace is He's brought the board down to the ground and says, sweetheart, you're my child. When you hit the mark and when you miss the mark, you're still mine. I still love you. You're still my kid. I'm on your team. I'm on your side. Can I get an amen? How many of you know that is going to affect your performance and your, the consistency of your walk? That's one of the ways that grace sets you free from the dominion of sin. That's not what we're going to focus on this morning, but I want to bring that point out. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, Teaching us. Grace has come to teach you something. How many of the Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth? He came teaching differently than the Pharisees and Sadducees. And so the grace of God teaching us to deny ungodliness, worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So grace has a way of taking you by the hand and leading you into Freedom from the weak and beggarly elements of this life. Freedom from sin, freedom from fear, freedom from worry. Grace will teach you, right? One of those ways it does that, and I'll reiterate, is it lets you know that you're forgiven and loved no matter what. But there's another way that it does it as well. But before it, I, I, I teach that. No, I'm going to go ahead and teach it for sake of time. So now, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 11. And one of the ways that, that I've learned that grace teaches me is this. How to, get, how to be set free and live in a place of freedom. Number one, the grace of God will teach you who you are. See, as long as you think you're a sinner, you're just going to live in sin. It's not scriptural how many know when Paul wrote his letter to the Corinthian church, he didn't say, oh ye bunch of sinners. Now how many know the Corinthian church was in all kinds of sin? Like they could have had their own Jerry Springer show. For real. Amen. But he didn't call them sinners. He called them saints. He opened the letter and called them saints. Saints. And then he said, know you not that you are the temple of the living God. He's speaking to people that are in sin. <clears throat> he didn't pull back their sonship. He didn't pull back their sainthood. He didn't even pull back the fact that God was still living inside of them as they were the temple of God. <clears throat> you know what he did? He reminded them who they were. He said, y'all acting like something you're not. Let me remind you who you are. Now, Notice, he didn't say what they were doing was okay. Can I get an amen on that? He corrected it. He was like, y'all doing stuff that, that the, the heathen don't do. Like, that's what he was like. He was kind of wigged out. He was like, this is weird, man. 
Like, y'all making us look bad. <laughs> like, y'all doing stuff that the heathen don't do. And so he didn't say the sin was okay, but what he said was, is you've embraced an identity that's not yours. And let me remind you, you're a saint, you're a child of God, and you're the temple of God. Amen. This is, God doesn't correct you unto condemnation and rejection. God corrects you unto exhortation and acceptance. Same thing with the prodigal son. You know, he didn't, he didn't correct him of all of his mistakes. The kid already knew he made a ton of mistakes. He corrected him in his identity. He said, no, no, you're mine. You're a child of God. Come on, sit at my table. Y'all tracking me here. And so one of the things that I found that grace does is it teaches you who you are and it teaches you how to be who you are. And that, that sounds so simple, but it's, it's the truth. Like, for example, when I struggle with drug addiction for most of my young adult life, the thing that set me free, see, I couldn't get set free based on my willpower. I can't do anything based on my willpower. How many of some people have really strong will and they can just do stuff? I ain't one of those people. I need Jesus Christ for everything. And I couldn't, but, but what I found out was, how many know that as I began to hear who I was in Christ, I began to find out that I wasn't a drug addict. And I, and I share this example all the time, but I was running up the hill, and I looked down, and there's a joint on the side of the road, and I'm just starting to get set free from drug addiction, and, and I look down, and I, you know, I pick it up, and sure enough, there it is. It's marijuana. It's, it's a joint. Um, and, and, I, and, and there is the point of temptation. What's the enemy trying to do? He's trying to get me to go back to something that I've been set free from, right? And so now, but, but here's the thing. I don't have to willpower my way away from it. I just have to remember who I am. So all I got to do is remember who I am. And so I remember it, and so I said, and so I dropped it back in the ground. I, I stepped on it. I grounded it into the pavement, and I said, I'm not a drug addict. I'm a child of God. And I kept running. So what I want to show you is that's that place where grace says, that's not you. This is who you are. And what the grace of God is going to do is it's going to teach you just how to be yourself. How to be yourself. How many know you're not an angry person? You're not a lustful person. You're not a fearful person. How many know your identity? You say, but Jeremiah, you must not know me very well. <laughs> no, no, no. Th those things from your past and from your flesh, that fruit may still be hanging on your tree decayed, but it's not coming from the life of the vine. And it's not what you're connected to any longer. Amen. And, and who you are is you are love, peace, joy, kindness, gentleness, meekness. That's who you are. And here's the thing. Praise God for your gifts. Praise God for the abilities God's given you. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is the character of Jesus Christ being expressed through your life in the fruit of the Spirit. That's how people meet Jesus through you. The gifts are flashy. The gifts draw attention to themselves. The gifts are great. I'm not trying to diss the gifts. The gifts are wonderful, but they're not the most important thing. How many know you will know them by their fruit? What's the fruit? Love. What's the characteristics of love? Peace, joy, kindness, goodness, all of these things, right? I will see Jesus in you. And how many know he's in there? He's in there. But how many know sometimes there's some grave clothes that are covering the expression of Christ? 
<clears throat> just like I talked about my addiction to pornography. How I many you know there were grave clothes from my past and my childhood that were covering that aspect of Christ? Right? For you, it might be anger, might be resentment, might be offense. You may have a hard time forgiving people in your flesh. <clears throat> might be fear, might be worry. Whatever, those things are not who you are. Listen to me. Those things are not who you are. That does not define you. How I many you know your old you was crucified on the cross? You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And when Lazarus was called out of the grave, he was raised from the dead, but he had some grave clothes on that needed to be removed because there was still some death. The smell of death was still there. The, the death was still there. You follow me? But Jesus said, take the grave clothes off of it. And that's what the truth does to you. The truth comes in and it takes the grave clothes off of you. It says, this is who you are. Y'all tracking me here? And so what, what grace will do is it'll teach you how to be yourself. How do you resist? Praise God. This is how you resist temptation. It's not willpower. It's that's not who I am. You follow me? Like adultery. Someone being tempted with adultery. How many know adultery may come, but how many know if you know who you are, you can say that's not who I am? Are y'all tracking me here? Pornography can come, try knocking on the door, but that's not who I am. This is who I am. Anger can come knocking on the door, but that's not who I am. This is who I am. But then you might slip up and get mad, right? You might have a moment of anger. Don't identify with your failure. Go back to Jesus. Identify with Christ. How many of you are forgiven? Can I get an amen? And so the grace of God will begin to teach you who you are. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. This is Jesus speaking to the religious people. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Everybody say easy. Say light. Now, the thing about man-made religion is it'll turn you into something you're not. You ever spend some time in man-made religion? How many of you know it, it will twist you and make you to where everything you say and do doesn't come out of your heart, it's through the eyes of the people around you. You learn real good how to say what people want to hear. You learn real good how to, how to recite and how to quote and how to cliche, but you're not living out of your heart. That's why you get around some people that have that yoke, because that's what Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to people that had the wrong yoke. They had this heavy burden of legalism. It wasn't, a bur it wasn't a, this easy light yoke of Jesus. It was this heavy burden of legalism. And you get around people like that. How many know those people don't have freedom? Those people don't know how to be themselves. Some of them have no idea who they are. Because they've lived so long under that yoke, they're not living out of their heart. They're a walking cliche. They're a walking Christianese. And they don't even know how to talk. They don't even know how to walk. They don't know how to live out of their hearts. They're, God loved them. They're slaves. And they're in bondage. And they need help and they need freedom. And the last thing they need is grace people attacking them. They don't need that, man. They're our brothers and sisters in the Lord. You don't have a flesh and blood enemy. Stop treating legalists like they're the devil. They're not. They're people who are hurting and they're in bondage. 
See, I think grace people, we get good at not condemning the sinner, but we, we get developed in condemning the self-righteous. <laughs> like, we're so weird. Like, like we, 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 we were good at not condemning the sinners, you know, but then we start condemning the self-righteous. The self-righteous don't need your condemnation. They're under enough condemnation as it is. When they attack you, don't attack back. Love them. When they don't understand it, don't force it down their throats. Just love them. You don't have to convince everybody about how good God is. Just enjoy it. Can I get an amen? One of the greatest witnesses of your life is the freedom that you live and walk in. God will open doors for you to witness and to speak into people's lives, but you don't have to convince or, or, or force anybody. But when that, that yoke of legalism is there, how I many you know you're not living out of your heart at all? But what grace does is it starts to take the mask off and say, you don't have to perform for anybody. You don't have to be perfect Christian boy or perfect Christian girl. You just know that just, just receive, just be loved. Just let me love you. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're forgiven. You're loved. I'm proud of you. I love you. Let me... Let me hold you. Let me walk with you. Let me speak to you. Don't condemn yourself out of my presence. That mask starts coming off, and you start to find out who you are in Christ. And then grace starts teaching you how to live out of that place of authenticness and genuineness. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the greatest freedoms you can enjoy. That you can be you no matter where you're at. That's one of the things I love about this. I don't have to be something for anybody. I can be Jeremiah Johnson behind this pulpit or at my house or at someone else's house or at the mall or at Walmart. I can just be myself. Gosh, I love it. Like I'm, This is one of my favorite parts of understanding the grace of God is I just got to just, just be myself. And you know what that means? I don't have to wear a mask. I don't have to prove anything. All I got to do is just be honest and genuine with, with me. And you know, that's where the, and there, I mean, you know, there's power in that. There's power in sincerity and just living out of your heart. Oh, I love it. It's such a place of freedom. Like, I don't have to wear a mask anymore. I don't have to jump through a hoop. I don't have to impress anybody. And like, I could just be myself. Now, what happens out of that place of Jesus' easy, light yoke, all of a sudden, temptation gets easier to resist. Because I look at that and think, nope, that's not who I am. Y'all tracking me here. That's not me. And there are areas of my life where I'm acquainted with who I am in Christ. And then there are areas of my life where I'm still taking some grave clothes off. You know what I'm saying? Because I've identified with those things in the past. One of those areas would be self-control with food. You know, like, you know, because for years I identified as a sweetaholic. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And we all know it. We've all heard me talk about it. And we've all heard me to identify with it. And you know, it makes great humor, but it doesn't always make the best life. And there comes a time when, when, when I have to recognize that, that Jesus is self-control. And that fruit of the Spirit's on the inside of me. And I can say no to the 25th chocolate bar. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Praise God. How I many know if we if we use food to medicate emotional harm, emotional turmoil, we're setting ourselves up to be unhealthy. And that's not a real popular thing to say in America. 
But because that's what I did under legalism. Under legalism, like we couldn't go to the movies, we couldn't go to the, we couldn't go to sports, we couldn't do this, couldn't, but we would buffet our bodies because we were miserable and all we had was food. Like we hate ourselves, God hates us, we're cursed, we're not blessed. Pass the fried chicken, let's go. Ah! I mean, that's how we rolled, man, because that's all we had. Like that was like. Because, you know, didn't nobody talk about gluttony from the pulpit because, you know, that one was cool. That one was funny. Like, we can, we can, we're cool with gluttony and gossip, man. The, three, the two G's, baby, they go together. Give me some fried chicken. Let me talk about sister so-and-so so I can feel better about myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is true, isn't it? And, like... As legalists, like, we got those sins that we're cool with. Like, no, we're cool with gluttony. We like it. We celebrate it, you know. We're cool with gossip, you know. But, like, then, then we got those things we're not cool with. And we condemn those people because they're evil. But yet we're doing other stuff. Oh, gosh. We're so, we're so hypocritical in the body of Christ. Praise God. We're getting better, though. We're getting better. We're getting better. Anyway, I had to lay that thing down to embrace who I am in Christ because how many you know self-control is a part of the package? Okay, get an amen. Come on, guys. You know, and, and so maybe other people didn't struggle with that. They struggle in my life. Now, here's the thing. As I'm sharing that, God may not be working on that with you. How many you know God may be working on something else? Can I get an amen? amen? Never try to emulate your relationship with God after somebody else's. Never do that. Don't do that. God may be working with you about worry. God may be working with you about fear. God may be working with you about something. But the bottom line is God's looking to pop a chain off of your life. And the primary way those chains are popped off is you finding out who you are. And you getting comfortable with who you are and you operating out of that place of being who you are. Amen? Amen. Uh, turn to James chapter 1. Just a couple more places and we close. You guys enjoyed this this morning? God has more freedom for you, amen? He's got more freedom for you. He loves you. This is a passage that the legalists have used to, to beat people and condemn people down, but it's actually not written from that perspective, although it can be read from that perspective. James chapter 1, verse 19. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow with wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. How many of that word coming forth renewing your mind right now? Here, here comes the hammer. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's... And so, let me just stop and not read that. And that's, what, that's, that's where the message would come from. You just got to be a doer. That's your problem. You're not a doer. That's why you're not blessed. You're not a doer. I'm a doer. But you're not a doer. So you clearly need to be more like me. And so for three easy, easy payments of $19.99, I will teach you how to be just like me. Hallelujah. Now, I know, yeah, it all depends on what service. All right, let's, anyway. Praise God. We could all, we could all, but we're not, so we're going to keep going for it. No, no, no. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. No, 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 no. Connie, stop. I know. Me too. Me too. Me too. We can laugh or cry. We've done both. Let's just continue to laugh. Amen.
All right. It says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. Now, look, here's a key point. Deceiving yourselves. How I many you know you can identify with something that you're not and it impacts your behavior? For example, you know, you think you're an angry person and I'm just an angry person. I'm just, I'm just an angry person. How I many you know that's lying against the truth because if you're in Christ, you're actually not an angry person. The person you used to be may have been angry. Or you think, well, I'm just a fearful person. I've always been a fearful person. I've always struggled with anxiety and fear. I understand that may have been who you were, but let me introduce you to who you are now. Because now you're in Christ. And I'm not saying that you, we won't have challenges. And I'm not saying that we're not going to have struggles. I'm not preaching this message where, boy, if you get a hold of this, you're going to fly through life and you're going to have no trouble. No, no, no. You're going you, you, to have ups. You're going to have downs. You're going to have victories. And you're going to have failures. But there's a greater stability that comes into your life as you find out who you are in Christ. How I many you know you can, you can, your, your walk is more level as you realize who you are, right? But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone observing their face in a mirror, for they observe themselves and go away and forget who they are. If your actions are not lining up with who you are in Christ, you've just forgotten who you are. And you get back to the mirror, which is the Word of God, and you look for Jesus, and you find Him in the Scriptures, and then you start to operate out of your identity. How many of you that's what the prodigal, that's what the father did to the prodigal son? He forgot who he was. He said, here, let me remind you. Right? That's what the Gospel does. The Gospel says... I'm going to remind you who you are. Jeremiah, I was angry all week, and I did this, and I made this mistake. Well, let me just remind you who you are. That's, those things aren't who you are. Yeah, but I did this, and I did that. <clears throat> Listen, you may need to apologize to people. Can it, how many know there's accountability? Can I get an amen? Yeah. If you act like an idiot, you need to say you're sorry. And, and there's, there's accountability here. But as far as God is concerned, he's like, I know who you are, and I know who you are better than you know who you are. And so you may be acting all angry and think you're an angry person, but I know that's not who you are. That's who you were taught that you were. That may have been the way you lived your life, but that person died on the cross. You've been resurrected in newness of life, and now you're one with my son, and my son's not an angry person. Are you all tracking me here? How many of you know this is the fight of faith? To believe that the cross is a success and to believe who you are in Christ. Amen. How many of you know you're invited out of that, Right? It says, but who looks into the perfect law of liberty? Everybody say freedom. freedom. See, this passage is actually talking about being free. It's not beating you over the head with you need to do more. It's saying the reason your actions are not lining up with your identity is you forgot who you were. So let the perfect law of liberty bring you into the freedom of just being yourself. Can I get an amen? Just be yourself. See, and your expression of Jesus is different than my expression of Jesus. That's one of the things I love about church is I get to experience Christ in different people. Can I get an amen? How many know the way Christ flows through Dan is different than the way it flows through me? But don't y'all enjoy the flow of Christ through Dan? <laughs> like, it's a blessing. Like, it's really cool. But it's totally different. Like, he, he shouldn't try to be like me, and I shouldn't try to be like him. We should just be, we should let Christ flow out of us 
because no individual has it all. But we want all the expressions. But the freedom, the law of liberty, is just being reminded who you are, operating out of that place. Amen? But whoso looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man will be blessed in what he does. Amen. Finding out who you are. Now, last place, Ephesians chapter 4. Five more minutes and we're going to close. I've started to time myself. Because I, I had a couple Sundays ago where I preached for two hours. I will never do that again. Two hours. Two hours. My zipper's down. Oh, hallelujah. That's not who I am in Christ. Not all the way down. Just a little bit. Just enough. i got to tell everybody. I can't be all cool about it. And like, Amen. Just that much. That's not a real trend. I have a friend who preached his first sermon. Logan. He preached his first sermon with his zipper entirely down. And he was all behind the pulpit and, you know, and doing all this, and he was totally down. His wife was like... Did, he ever, did she ever get the message across to him? She didn't tell him. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. He knows now. No, he knew then, too. He knew then, too. Praise God. Yeah, man, you see somebody zipper down, tell them. Praise God. Amen. That's, that's, that's love. <laughs> Amen. Uh, all right, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to close. Right here. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that you should not walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man. How I many know that's talking about putting on who you are in Christ? Amen? How do you do that? you got to speak. you got to say what God has said about you. Abram would have stayed childless if he didn't start lining up with who God said that he was and called himself Abraham. Sarai the same way. So today, God's not throwing a ham on the back of your name, but he is throwing a righteousness on the back of your name. Are y'all tracking me here? How many know now you say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Amen? You're living in a state of eternal forgiveness. And so, you, how many know that's how you put it on? You put on who you are in Christ. Amen. I don't put on the old stuff. Put on the new stuff. Amen. Put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. And this is the, the final thing I want to talk about quickly here is I'm talking about how we do this for each other. Therefore, putting away lying, let each of you speak truth at his neighbor. That's talking about when we're lying against the truth and trying to act like we're something that we're not in terms of us being angry or sinners or all these things. He says, for we are members of one another. How many know we need to help each other with this? See, I've been talking about you doing it for yourself, and I'm going to close with you doing it, you helping somebody else. See, and listen, correction is a part of life, and correction is good. How many, know if, how many know God is a father, and because he loves us, he corrects us? You have to understand that. Grace is not the absence of correction. Grace is the absence of condemnation. You know, uh, you're not a fatherless child. God loves you, and he will correct you. Why? Because he loves you. If I didn't love my kids, I'd never correct them. 
Because I wouldn't care about the trajectory of their lives. I would just care of my comfort in the moment. Correcting my children is not fun at all. Correcting Eli is not fun. Everybody else is all right. <laughs> but uh, it's just not, you know. And, and, but, but here's the thing. I love him, so I have to correct him because I care about his future. Are you tracking me here? And so correction's a part of it. But listen, in the body of Christ, all of your words should minister grace to the people around you. This is huge. Listen to it. He says, um, For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him stole still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, that, but that which is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. How many know you have the ability to impart grace to your brothers and sisters in the Lord? You can't. Why do you do? You don't know them according to the flesh. You speak according to who they are in Christ. And it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is interesting here. When we don't impart grace to each other, it grieves the Spirit of God. You know, if, I, if someone who's dealing with anger, say they're dealing with anger, and I come up to them as a brother in the Lord, well, you're just an angry person. What's wrong with you? You need to stop being so angry. You're just angry. How many know I'm not imparting grace? I'm actually nail, putting nails into that false identity. And that's where legalism fails to set the captive free from the dominion of sin, and grace actually sets the captive free from the dominion of sin. How many know when Paul came to the Corinthian church, he didn't open up, you bunch of sinners, you immoral sinners? He didn't do that. He came imparting grace. He says, saints of God, don't you know you're the temple of the living God? What you're doing is wrong. That's not who you are. See the difference? And so Paul imparted grace. What happened? How many know the guy that was in the major sin got set free? Second Corinthians, he said, okay, he's good. Bring him back into the fold. He, 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 don't, don't overburden him. Like, he's good. He's, he's, he's finished. He, come on, let's go. And so the grace that Paul imparted through his words set that man free from the dominion of sin, and he got to walk out his true identity, which was not what he was involved in. He was a child of God. Can I get an amen? When your kid gets dirty, you don't throw him away. You wash him. <laughs> Man, this kid's dirty. We got to get a new one. <laughs> you don't do that. We are constantly wiping butts in my house. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, we, the dirt's just a part of it. You know, it's just a part of it. How I many know oh God don't throw you away when you get some dirt on you? What does he say? And, and how many know you can't cleanse yourself? You know what he says? Come to me. Let me wash you. You're like, but I'm so dirty. He's like, I know, that's why I need you to come to me. But I'm so dirty, God, I'm just not worthy. I'm just no good. And he's like, sweetheart, come sit in my lap and let me get you clean. Because here's the thing. In your spirit, you're already clean, but your mind's dirty because you're overburdened with guilt and condemnation. And God says, let me wash you with the water of the Word to remind you. Amen? How many know that's exactly what Jesus did when He washed the feet of His disciples? Jesus, how many know Jesus spoke to him and he said, uh, he, he spoke to him and said, You're clean, 
but I, but I, need, to wash, I need to wash your feet. And Peter tried to say, no, 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 don't wash my feet. And he said, no, I need, you. I need to wash your feet. He girded himself with linen, with the servant's towel, and he washed their feet. So the reason I say all this is to say this. The gospel, when you come here and you hear the gospel or wherever you hear the gospel, it's going to wash your feet from daily life. How I many of oh, you see things you probably shouldn't see? You're around things you probably shouldn't be around. How I many of oh, this world is filled with filth? And God's like, you're clean because I made you clean through my blood, but let me wash your feet. Let me wash your conscience. Your conscience is dirty. Your conscience is overburdened. Your conscience is all of these things. He said, let me wash you. Let me wash your feet. How many know we can wash each other's feet? How do we do it? Individual with anger. Dealing with anger. You know what? Listen. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I love you. God loves you. This is not who you are. You're tracking me here. What am I doing? Washing his feet. Washing her feet. I mean, we need to wash each other's feet. We need to believe the best. Speak the best. Can't get an amen. Because the greatest correction is a reminder of who you are. Never put a nail into someone's false identity and try to keep that thing there. That's what legalism does. Look at you. You're so you look at you. You need to, 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 you need to. That doesn't work. Old covenant is demand. New covenant supply. It's very root. That's the difference between law and grace. Grace supplies this individual with a reminder of who they are, who they are in Christ. And you know what it does? It does exactly what God said it would in Romans 6.14. It loosens the hold of the dominion of sin off of their life and brings them into a greater place of freedom. Can I get an amen? And here's the thing. As you, you can't be a hurler of accusation and condemnation in your own hands, be clean. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many know the, the people who are the most condemned are the legalists? All they do is pick up condemnation and throw it. They are. I feel bad for them. They're out there screaming at people and condemning people. They, they are under a heavy yoke. <clears throat> but if you'll get good at pouring the water on other people's lives and on their feet, how many know that water's going to splash up on you? You're not a hurler of condemnation. You're a hurler of reconciliation, of the love of God, of the grace of God. And in doing so, you'll keep your own conscience clean because you don't have a nature of an accuser. You have a nature of a redeemer. How many of us Christians, we're not called to slander each other. We're not called to, to, to attack each other. Amen? We're not called to do that. Don't fall into that. Even people who are doing, you know, who, who are in, you know, and, and in the midst of all this, right's still right and wrong's still wrong. I'm not, I'm not taking away from that, but I'm just saying that, that we're, we're, we're called to wash each other's feet. Amen? We're called to remind us of who we are. Amen? All right. Wonderful. Praise God. I'm done. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you need to give out this morning, we'll get one to you. Tim will get one to you. If you guys are watching online, you guys